Say it, if you like what we're doing here, if you support the show and you want to give support to the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash let's talk native. And if you do so, we'll provide you some exclusive content and some things that uh, others aren't going to get when you get it. So support us by going to Patreon. Yahweh. Let's Talk Native is produced at the LTN Studios on the Cataraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. We break all the rules for native media by peeling back the layers of assimilation and indoctrination. No prayers, no buffalo speeches, and no spirituality shows. While this podcast does not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do take a tough look at history, oppression, and our survival. But the real goal here is to bring our people together by breaking down what separates us. So... Welcome to Let's Talk Native with John Kane. Sego, thanks for joining me here on Let's Talk Native. My guest today is uh, Desiree Kane. She's been a guest, a previous guest, and Desiree is, um, she's Miwok. She is a, a multimedia journalist and live media producer. Uh, she's one of the founders of uh, Pollination Magazine, and and that's also uh, is that a podcast as well? It is. That is the brainchild and very hard work of a wonderful journalist named Jacqueline Keeler. I just support her strong work. She's uh, been a guest on my show as well, so I, Jackie and I go back a ways too. So that, that's great. And of course, you are also one of the uh, Indigenous voices of the people, the Poor People's Movement um, campaign, um, and. You were involved, it says in your spare time, which uh, that's hard to gauge it these, uh, in this day, but uh, <laughs> uh, with Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women through, the, through MISTI, the uh, Missing Indigenous Sisters Tools Initiative. So you have a lot, uh, you, uh, you don't run out of things to do, basically. <clears throat> I mean, does the work ever end? No, Not really. no, it really doesn't. I mean, <laughs> look, even if you don't have you know, multiple fronts you're, you're, you're battling with. I mean, it, it is so easy to get sucked in to any one of these as a specific wormhole. I've been battling um, my old high school with, with, over the native mascot issue. And, and what happens is every one of these issues you find connect in one way or another back to each other. So what's, what's transpired in, in Washington, D.C., for instance. I mean, when you, when you get one guy who's basically costumed himself and I'm not even sure what he's supposed to be representing, but um, it, it relates back to the mascot issue. When when I think about fetishizing <laughs> Native people, not only does it, does it show up in some places like that, but it also shows up with missing and murdered Indigenous women. So a lot of these issues end up being connected in ways that you don't always anticipate, but you you almost have to connect those dots to to have the the full the more full conversation. You know, I did a, uh, a, a did a show a month or a month ago or so, uh, and, I, and I called it "Apples, Pretendians, and Mascots." And 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 part of it is, <laughs> and, and I know Jackie, uh, our friend Jackie Keeler, does a lot of work on the on the Pretendians. Like, I th- that might be her. That might be her. Uh, <laughs> she might have invented that word, as far as I I, I know. I don't know, but uh, and, and this is part of the problem because not only do we have these people that show up in our territories that you know, that want to try to claim to uh, be adopting our spirituality uh, and being our allies. But we also have, you know, people amongst us who, 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 who are really detached from 
uh, from us as, as peoples and, and as, as cultures. And so it, it, it cuts both ways, you know, and I'm not one that wants to try to challenge everybody's ancestry, but you know, when, when we have this inundation and look, there's always been mm-hmm. Americans have always had a fascination with native people. I mean, and, and as much as we have been victims of genocide and so many other things, there's always this like this backhanded compliment that comes along with, with being stigmatized and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, sometimes murdered or whatever else. I mean, they love parading sitting bull and, and Geronimo out in front of, in front of white people. And so there's, there's a strange fascination that white people have with native people, even as we continue to be victims of assimilation policies, victims of, you know, of, of all kinds of oppression and essentially genocide. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there is something that is in with the white American psyche. And that's why there's so many family lores around having this vague native ancestry that's unquantifiable and nobody claims them and all of the things that Jackie like is a blast at talking about and digesting and helping us understand where claiming vague ancestry is a marker of possession and it makes you like somehow arguably more American if you you know your great great whatever the hell like raped one of our community members and then there was a child and now you're one sixty seven thousandth of Cherokee princess like so oh there's a lot of this that's going on right now and especially after Standing Rock so Alcatraz there was definitely a quote-unquote born-again Indian type of thing that happened where all these non-native white people they got inspired they wanted to distance themselves from whiteness and then all of a sudden there's like born again natives not to mention the sad situation where sometimes adopting relationships from native people are turned into resource pyramid schemes it's sad it's a sad deviation from what some of those ceremonies have been throughout history so you know, there's a lot of layers to it. Um, one of the things that Jackie really brought up for me one time that I I keep seeing over and over <clears throat> that I think is worth discussing, especially when it comes to allies, accomplices, who's adopted into our families and accepted, you know, socially through kinship systems, is that we're nearing a moment where more adoptees are authoring and getting published than actual Native people. Oh, and and that's and that's real clear because if you especially if you look at um, you know people who who were you know through no fault of their own they they may have been put up through through foster care or adoptions and mm-hmm. and so their entire upbringing is not culturally based and those are the, some of the most successful authors and producers and you know uh, uh, you know filmmakers and so where does it leave the rest of us where where does it leave those of us who are living this life who have lived this life and not just somebody who who just tried to you know rekindle and there's nothing wrong with the rekindling look i i, I get all that but uh but you're right and so you you end up with all these voices that are that are really not legitimate voices of uh, of a native experience and and that's what we see well yeah and i think some of that you know there is responsibility for people like you and i that the american system codes as white americans to actually be responsible with the platform when the white people hand it to us 
right? So holding that space and being like, you know what, I'm going to step back, but here's this person and actually make those spaces for the folks because we are so privileged in this system. I, and, and of course, then there's, you know, for myself, nobody made a space for me. I, you know, m- right? guys, uh, guys like us, we have to make those spaces because we're, we're not the ones that were going to be, you know, be giving, be offered Ted talks. We're not the ones who are going to be, you know, uh, you know, featured journalists, even on democracy now or any of these things. I mean, it, I was a little bit amazed that, um, New York times.com, another native podcaster, uh, mentioned my podcast because that's the mainstream media. Isn't somebody who's going to promote a voice like mine. And, you know, and, and the same you're, thing. You're I, too radical with the sovereign perspective, John. Well, and, and again, <laughs> I, I think I do represent that, that, that sovereign perspective, but I don't think what I, anything that I'm saying is that radical or hard to wrap their heads around. And I think that's, that might be more scary yet for some of the, the mainstream, but I mean, I, but, and this does get back, and again, even even to the mascot issue, and I know this is another area that Jackie worked a lot on, because what you end up having is these people who want to promote themselves as as a legitimate voice to to essentially grant permission. And so it's not just, you know, these it isn't just the, the fake native people who are doing this. It's it's native people who have found real comfort living amongst uh, the white community, oftentimes feeling special because of that strange uh-huh. relationship that that white America has with uh, with native the fascination, I guess, and and so you get some of these voices who are a complete departure from any of the legitimate native organizations, activists, leaders, you know, nations, uh, you know, that have condemned the use of native mascots. Yeah, and then if you try and tell them to knock it off they layer themselves behind their like super powerful non-native allies to shout you down and then the whole thing shut down it's well, very real well and, and and that's kind of what what i i've experienced is is that you they want to they again the non-native community wants to prop up the voices that say what they want to hear and you know and so all the while they're trying to say they want to honor or respect something they, you know, they turn into the most disrespectful and hateful people that you can imagine. Hey, look, I want to go one other area I want to go into, and, and I've talked about this a couple of times in the show, but uh, I'd be interested in hearing your voice on this thing. And I know um, it is it is a little controversial because if you question um, another native person, <laughs> even even on the mascot issue, sometimes you can be, you, you know, you you cross a line for people and. And I know there's a, a, our people, many of our people have really bought into um, the the hope and prospect of Deborah Hallen being the um, uh, the Interior Secretary, and and mm-hmm. it, it concerns me a little bit because for one thing, we never voted for her. She got elected as a Congressperson representing a district, and and again. Primarily white people were were her biggest voter block. That's that's how she got elected. I'm not saying native people didn't vote for her down there in New Mexico, um, but so she she gets elected in in that system. Um, her her background is is that she's Christian and she's second generation military. Uh, her her father's non native. Her mother's native. She um, uh, became very involved in in Democrat big D Democrat politics um, and finally runs for Congress. And when I hear people say we're finally going to have a voice in, in a presidential cabinet, I'm thinking, no, we didn't put her there. 
We didn't elect her. We didn't nominate mm-hmm. her. We didn't select her. A white guy did. And and mm-hmm. there's some motivation that that Biden has in uh, in trying to promote himself as this, you know, this inclusive president because of, you know, the climate that everybody's living in right now. But I get real concerned because we don't need her for a voice. We need what we do need is somebody who's got ears who can hear us, not speak for us. And so just yeah. and I know that you know, there are friends of ours who are who you know, that have kind of condemned my, my my thoughts on some of this. But, you know, give me give me your your general impression. Agree or disagree. Just your general impression about this. My general impression, two things. One, all we need to know about Biden is that when he was campaigning, he did not really have a native platform. He had a list of all of the good deeds that he has done for Indian country in the past, but he did not have a specific native outreach program platform. Native people plugged into his platform, not the other way around. When you look at people like Julian Castro, he came out first and early with a well-thought-out Native outreach, Indigenous sovereignty, land back, a whole thing. But the world, the ears were not there to hear it. And so I think that that's going to say a lot about one Biden. As far as Deb Holland, I want to be very cognizant to, like, you know, not attack another Native woman because the right wing will run all with it and take it out of context, blah, blah, blah. So what I will say is that there is a super concerning situation where the white people are centering their magnifying glass on Deb Holland and they're making New York Times headlines that are saying after 500 years, a native with power. Oh, a, a real a native so with damaging. real power. Yeah. Making it sound like that so until damaging. a white person, you know, put somebody in that spot, we've never had any leadership. No leadership, no power. No voice, never mind the hundreds of years of Native resistance on this continent, it's Deb Holland. And so that's not really her doing, but it is extremely unfair and does not serve our community. So with that, I like I want to kind of trust her but and, and know that there are people we, we have to have inside, outside, and everyone's a puzzle piece and all of that. I would say I would not choose that path for myself because my views would never serve that. You know, I'm a little bit just not, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican, like the native two spirit. <laughs> so that really, I think she's got a big fight ahead of her. I think she's got a lot against her. I think it's going to play out exactly how history does. And I have a vote of no confidence that Biden will listen to her the same way that Obama was supposed to be a good listener and then did not listen to his native advisor, especially when it came to Standing Rock. And he waited for us to bleed. Well, I, so I, I, don't, I don't I don't know. I don't know that if but uh, if Obama listened to his native advisor, I mean, uh, Jody Gillette, you know, sister to mm-hmm. Dave Arjambo, <laughs> Dave Arjambo, I mean. Um, I, I think he got exactly what he paid for, uh, you know, out of her. I mean, when, when, when that administration, which again, Obama Biden administration announced they were going to make this historic trip into Indian country, he went to the place that had the most access to the Obama administration of any native territory on the planet. He went to his senior policy advisor's hometown. I mean, so, you know, and then gives a speech about building something for the children. And that turns out to be the Dakota access pipeline. 
so I never heard Jody uh, Jody Gillette come out strong, uh, you know, in any of this stuff. I never, frankly, I never heard uh, Dave Archambault came out very strong. So, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and and well, and while I agree with you that I'm I'm trying to remain hopeful um, as it relates to to Deb Hallen, I just think when I started hearing all of our people just say. Oh, it's great that she, you know, we have a voice here. We finally, they're, they're almost transferring their power to her because she, yeah. because, of, because a white guy put her in a position that I think is really discerning. And, 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 and again, I don't know if it, if it's a question of whether Biden listens to Deb Haaland. I'm not sure if Deb Haaland is going to be speaking for Deb Haaland or for uh, for Native mm-hmm. people because that's not the job that she's put in there for. I mean, the Interior mm-hmm. Department, the Interior Secretary isn't set up to be our voice. It's about managing, you know, many things, including Native territories and Native peoples in, in a way that, frankly, I reject the, the whole proposition of being managed in this way. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll certainly be interesting, and she will show her colors in time, because this is the first time, I believe, that we've had someone that at least has a lexicon that is appropriate to deal with tribes. So while I'm with you in the same boat, I reject the entire premise of being managed as a resource within, you know, the body of the land here. Mm. That's not how you deal with human beings. I mean, there's there's been... there, there have been native uh, assistant secretaries, obviously he- uh, heading up the BIA, and that's that's kind of been commonplace. Mm-hmm. But, but realizing oh, yeah. that she's in a this is a, an entire different level, and and I and you know one of the things that I know there's a lot of environmental concerns that you know that that she is going to have to deal with. You know, what for me sitting here in Seneca territory, and I I come back to you know what's happened in terms of native gaming. You've got states, including Democratic states like New York, where the governor is extorting billions of dollars out of native gaming under the threat that if they don't give them revenue through a revenue sharing program, that they simply won't renew the the, 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 the IGRA mandated compacts that the interior department is supposed to is supposed to, you know, oversee. And, And they've they failed during the Obama administration. And certainly they failed mm-hmm. during the, the Trump administration. So you know, the, the, the Santa Nation has, has been hit for a billion and a half dollars. They've got another half a billion sitting in escrow that the state is trying to lay claims to with the anticipation they're yeah. going to get another half a billion uh, beyond that. That's how much money. we're And that's just New York. Forget I'm not even talking about New Mexico, which has had the same challenge or Oklahoma or any any of a, of a dozen other states that where where there are governors trying to squeeze native gaming. And my question is, you know, when, when somebody first asked me what's going to be the ask of a new administration, I said, well, how about the Interior Department do its effing job? Because it hasn't, and it didn't do it in eight years of Obama, four years of Trump. Frankly, it didn't do, it, it didn't do much of their job before Obama either. But do we want them to do their job, or do we want to encourage people to just divest from the system whole because, or help educate people to do that? At what point do we do we stop trying to reform a system that, like, is rotten inside? Well, I mean, the job that I'm talking about in terms of the Interior Department is uh, is regulating the states. It's not about regulating us. Yeah. I mean, so I'm I'm not asking them to manage our business, but 
the responsibility they have that I'm talking about here is making sure that the states are not extorting money out of, uh, I mean, when, when IGRA got passed, the claim was that they were going to pass IGRA to protect us from organized crime and from overly aggressive states. I don't, I don't know about the organized crime thing, but I know we, I know we've fallen prey to, to, to overly aggressive states. And it's, mm-hmm. it's state after state, native territory after native territory. I, I'm not a big fan of gaming, but I, you know, I can't not recognize that gaming has become a big part of uh, many native economies. So I've still got to defend mm-hmm. it. And, I, got, and this, I certainly have to defend their right to do it, even if I don't know that mm-hmm. it was right to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agree. <laughs> so, but but no, I, mean, I, I, I think, think I, I don't know what I want the Interior Secretary to do for me, but I do want them to make sure that the states are not um, wielding un, you know, unduly power or, or Ill, Ill, illegal power over Native territories. Well, I agree with that. I also agree with all the young Native folks and the grandmas and my son. Everybody's just screaming land back. Yep. Like, like, that's what the ask is. There is a single solitary ask. Everything else, once those things start going in motion, I do believe would fall more into place, right? So you have Native people have more land. Land is power. You can push back on overly aggressive states and be like, no, this is our sovereign territory. You will absolutely not. Only if that land this. back is, is, is it comes with... The, the acknowledgement that we have the authority over that land. And when, when people say Deb Haaland now will have authority over, will, as the, over the head of all, uh, all federal lands, including tribal lands, that concerns me right out of the gate. We only got a few minutes left, but I, uh, the one other issue associated with the Interior Department is there's this new push to, um, uh, to, to streamline federal recognition. And a lot of stuff still gets geared towards mm-hmm. trying to turn Hawaiians into a, a tribe, which the Hawaiians spoke mm-hmm. out and, and they had hearings all over the islands and they all came, spoke in a unified voice and said, oh, hell no, you're not going to turn us into Indians. Um, and yet that's what I'm already Monarchy. hearing some of that out of Biden. Oh, God. Yeah. Um. I have faith in the Hawaiian people because they have exhibited for a very long time how to manage their territory. And I do believe in the long run that that strength will persevere regardless of any occupation that should fall upon their lands. So if there is someone to fight that, I am really encouraged to hear that it's Hawaiians. Because I know that some of the smaller tribes, like we couldn't sustain that as Miwok because we're so, it's expensive where we live and we're not insular, but not by choice. You know, there's just, it's, it's a different situation, but because it's an island, they have been able to retain so much that makes them so powerful. I'm heartened by that, but also disheartened. I don't have any faith in Biden. I think he's a liberal. He's not progressive. He's not a radical in our favor in any way. So I believe in our in our warriors in the Native community, and that's pretty much it. This is yep. John Kane. I've got Desiree Kane. No relationship, um, or no relation. We I guess we're friends, so we have a relationship. No relation. <laughs> uh, same last name, just a coincidence. Uh, and we'll be right back after this.
All right. Thanks for coming back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. And my guest is Desiree Kane, who is um, no relation, <laughs> who is from uh, she, she is Miwok uh, and she's involved in a, in, in a lot of multimedia um, uh, journalism and pub, uh, publication. Uh, she is also uh, one of the founders of uh, Pollination. And, you know, we we wanted to talk a little bit about. I mean, one of the things that, that frustrates me with, with what transpired at the, the U.S. Capitol uh, a couple of days ago um, is the attention that the one guy um, who we it's even debatable what he's dressed as. But but he's got buffalo horns. He's got fur on his head. He's got, you know, a variety of tattoos that that symbolize a variety of different things. Um, I've also seen pictures of him with, with native artifacts. He calls himself a shaman, a QAnon, uh, a shaman. Um, and you know, one of the first things that happened is some people start sending me pictures. Oh, do you know this guy? And, and, and part of it's, you know, trying to be funny. I mean, like, like he's dressed, like they're, they're assuming he's dressed as a native. Now we can argue what, what he's really dressed as, but he has tried to, meld some of this this idea of new age spirituality into um you know into you know part of his his conspiracy theories and part of what what he represents which is clearly you know along those fascist lines clearly along those those right wing um white supremacy lines and and so it, it concerns me that you know, that we end up, we as native people somehow get indirectly associated with this guy. And, and when you consider that along with the, with the folks that do show up on our territories with their, with some of their, their new age bastardized beliefs of what native spirituality is, um, we find ourselves inundated with some of this stuff. So, uh, and, and that's, that's kind of what we wanted what we wanted to talk about. And, and, and mm-hmm. I guess, I mean, w- what is your first response when somebody asks you about this guy in particular? I also had to laugh, um, especially at the spicy memes that came out of Indian country where folks are like, he's not my uncle. I don't know. <laughs> or they put the, the piece, the jeans on his forehead. He dances and with then, Karens. I saw that one too, as the dances with wolves, uh, you know, I appreciated parody. that. But then I also, you know, was like, Oh no, people are going to think that this dude is like, he's, he's not with us. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. And it really started to get complicated, I guess, in certain social circles because He's virtually indistinguishable from many of the white allies in Indian country already. I also think, you know, there's a bunch of white liberals out there running around all like, this isn't who we are, but it is. This is the ethos of America embodied, the type of behavior that we're seeing at the Capitol. So all of this, it's really telling. And when you look at, I'm not even going to say the name of the man that genocided millions of Jewish community members. The way that that person, not even human person, the way that that thing worked was he infiltrated for many years. He had a failed coup. He worked for many years to co-opt the police force and specifically the police force because they are the enforcers of who is allowed in and out of the castle. Right. So in this moment, people are, oh, it's inconceivable how they could possibly breach. It hasn't been breached since whenever the heck. Like, it's because the police let them in 
and they wanted to back the blue and the blue was part of the rioting body. Well, even if you listen to, to Trump's comments um, before, uh, you know, before they marched on the Capitol, I mean, his comments that led all the way up to it, not only his Twitter stuff, but his speech at his own rally, he said, we're going to march on the Capitol. And we, but, but he, but he always, you know, bookended it with, uh, but treat the police fairly, be nice to the police, respect, respect the police. So it's almost like you're saying, yeah, we're going to go down there, but let's be clear. The enemy is in the Capitol. The enemy is not the, not the ones at the gate. And so that even mm-hmm. gives some indication that there was more than just a nod and a wink that had been worked out between the white house uh, and, and the, and the police presence there. So, and I'm not saying that every cop was, uh, you know, had bought into this because it does appear that right. some, you know, tried to resist at some level. But there's mm-hmm. there's clear video that of gate, you know, um, barricades being moved. I mean, selfies being posed for. And you know, look, you don't have to be a military genius to to figure out that if if a crowd is overrunning you, you you back up, you retreat, and you try to reform your line. You don't just drop your hands and say, okay, go by me then. I mean, and that's exactly, I mean, these guys are all former, former military and everything else. They, they knew what they were supposed to do. They just didn't do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's strategic inaction, right? And yeah. that is an action in and of itself. Sure. But I think it's important for people within Indian country to understand. Uh, so everyone's talking about this thing, QAnon, QAnon, what is QAnon? How does it tie in to save the children? And what does the capital have to do with Indian country? They are inextricably tied. And while this is not our fight, this is this is settler infighting right now. Mm-hmm. Temper tantrum, settler temper tantrum. White on white crime, I might add. White on white crime. <laughs> yeah. White on white crime, bunch of thugs, you know. There's a lot of this stuff that really comes down to, you know, just plain old white supremacy and and people trying totally. to figure out how they whatever means and 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 i and i agree with some of this concept of role playing i mean obviously this this nut with the with the buffalo horns and and the, and the fur on his head uh, it, i don't believe they believe that stuff in fact i don't i don't think trump believes the things that he says either and and i think many of the people on the right they know that they're i mean look anybody who says that they were you know that that they're concerned about uh, pedophilia and they're concentrating on a pizza joint in Washington rather than what's, ha- what's happened, what's been happening in churches uh, in various of various denominations for, you know, for, you know, for a couple hundred mm-hmm. years. I mean, it, it just demonstrates this isn't hypocrisy, you know, in, in the, in the truest sense where somebody says one thing and does another, they know what they're saying is wrong. And, and so I, I find this a little bit more difficult, you know, harder to i don't think it's that easy to wrap your head around you know a a uniform belief system that creates some of the stuff i'm not you know and and i you you just spun off a bunch of stuff that frankly i have no idea about and uh and (laughs) but but as as a native person who's been i'm in my 60s now and i've been on the on the front lines of native issues for a long time um i've never been that concerned about somebody's religious ideologies uh as i as much as i'm concerned about their 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 racial supremacy and how that's played out historically how it's how it's played out today in um you know in in the united states and and how it plays out in terms of how we are are attempting to secure our future so you know and 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 now to get to specifically to to this this guy who's now earned all of this uh, this attention in in Washington D.C. Oh, I mean, 
the guy is just a fraud. I mean, and and I and when I when I see some of these things and I hear some look, you can hear people who speak are pretty impassioned, and and, and they they've been and I agree. Some people have been radicalized by some of uh, Trump's lies, but I think there's still a whole lot of people who are just. Who, who know what they're buying into is wrong and buy into it anyway, because why they're trying to justify their own racial bias. They're trying to justify um, you know, wh whatever they're claiming is wrong in their lives. And, you know, so this guy in particular, and, and, and you know, I hate to, I'll throw his name out there because I don't think he's been arrested yet, but uh, his, he goes by the name of Jake uh, uh, and jelly. Um, he, you know, he's tried to pass himself off as a, as a QAnon shaman. That's literally what he's called himself. Um, and Yellowstone Wolf. Yeah, he's, he's, got a, he's got a whole long list of uh, <laughs> names that, that he's used. And, and, and he is clearly a fraud. And I don't care how many tattoos he's got or, you know, or how many costumes he's got or, or any of this other stuff. This guy is, I mean, look, he, he, he was, he's a failed actor in the first place. Um, and I'm not saying that this is just a, a, a character he's trying to develop for film, but, but he's clearly playing a, playing a role here. And, and I, I hope it comes and bites him, bites him in the ass. But, the, but I guess more yeah. specifically, as you and I have talked, this guy is emblematic of the kinds of people, this whole idea of, of mashing up um, conspiracy theories and this, and, and this bastardizing of, of native um, culture uh, in what the new agers call, you know, call spirituality. So you, you mash these things mm -hmm. together and, and then, and this is the part that really frustrates me is some of our people get drawn into this stuff and, and they, and they, they look at these guys as legitimate allies when they really aren't. And I think that's, that is really, you know, kind of the, the area that concerns me the most and, and, and trying to make our own people aware <laughs> that we better understand who our allies are and who they aren't. And and some of these guys, you know, that are that are decking themselves out in 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 the proverbial, you know, new age, you know, layers of, uh, you know, you know, of props, <laughs> whether it's whether it's a full costume like like this moron uh, war or whether it's, you know, some of these guys. And look, this comes from from not just from the hippie group. This comes from bikers. This comes from a bunch of different areas. <laughs> it's not it's not a one unified effort. It's it's this general, um, I don't know, uh, uh, flow, I guess, or this general, uh, um, I, I, you, you see this happening, and, and it does cross over different, uh, different segments. So like I said, it's not just the hippie crowd. It's not just, you know, uh, it certainly isn't just liberals. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and, and it, no, but that's... but across over a bunch of a bunch of different lines, but it's it's almost always white people. I, I guess I guess it my point is, I mean, and I even question, you know, the not just the you know the, these cultists, but even you know some of the what, what people consider the the, uh, the predominant religions. You know, I, I wonder how much these people really um, are are faithful. I mean, I, and, and, and that's where when, when you look at somebody's activity and, and I'm not just saying what they do as a group, because what somebody does as a group is not necessarily what somebody demonstrates in their lives in terms of you know, yeah. the, the amount of hypocrisy and that kind of stuff. I mean, you're not going to convince me that, that that nut standing in the, in the Capitol with, 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 you know, buffalo horns is somehow a devoted far, uh, follower of, uh, of some 
you know, really well-defined, you know, r- religious dogma. I, 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 I just don't, oh, just don't see it. You can, if you watch something like the OAN, which is the QAnon news network, they, they're, they've got a whole thing. It's much. Yeah. So but, but do you scary. believe they believe that stuff? It's one, look, I'm not saying yeah. people don't, don't spew out this rhetoric. I mean, listening to half the stuff that Trump says, I mean, I don't I don't believe for a second that he believes the stuff that he actually says. I mean, do you think he he I mean, and I know some people do. Some people think that he really believes he won the election. I think he 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 suffers from a certain level of disbelief that he lost. But that's not the same thing as saying that he doesn't believe he lost. I mean, uh, and and. So when I when I hear any of these people who are going to rely on what they're going to call their faith or their their religious mm-hmm. beliefs or their spirituality, uh, I, I'm, when I hear people say, oh, I'm, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, that to me is a red flag that I'm already going to listen to a pretty good line of bullshit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, I mean, but, I, I, so know, I mean, this is... So, so be, the average American public member... Think about the failures of the American education system, which I'm preaching to the choir with you Mm -hmm. and your listeners. Discernment is not something that is taught. So when you have someone in power and you are of the power block, you're a white person, and you have a president that's like the media is lying to you. And the media is the only way that we have truth dissemination in this moment. You suddenly become prey because you have no discernment to being like, I make enough choices in my life. I can't handle these large, they can't even name it as systemic, so they can't articulate what they're experiencing. They know that they're losing power rapidly. They know that the man in power says that the media is lying and that he's telling them the truth. I have decision overload. My community is dying. I'm alienated from everyone around me. I'm losing. I'm going to hang on to what the man in power says because I'm scared. I too am losing power. Well, and, and I agree with all and of they, that. I, I think you're absolutely right, and I think that discernment is not taught. I think critical thinking is not taught. I think basic, um, you know, concepts. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's amazing to me that somebody can go through grade school and high school and even some level of college and still not know wh- how to define or what the definition of racism is. That they that they can't dis- distinguish the difference between prejudice, discrimination, and racism. They, 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 they can't even wrap their heads around the whole thing. So when you hear people saying, uh, trying to deny that white privilege exists, I mean, if you're going to deny white privilege exists, then you're clearly going to deny that, that you know, that the white supremacy uh, exists because that's, you know, that's all part of the same, the same line. So, and, but I, and I agree with you that there are a lot of white people in the United States who feel like they won't admit it, but that, that they're losing their white privilege. And, and so they, they, they change it around. They, they won't argue that they're losing their white privilege. They're saying that, uh, that um, minorities, native or, you know, brown people are gaining something um, over them. They, they want to make themselves the victim. I mean, and, and it comes down to, to, to you know, one, one thing that, I, that never quite gets discussed. When we hear all this conversation about democracy, you know, here's the problem with democracy. It's uh, democracy at its face is majority rule. It means the majority rules over the minority. And you can't mm-hmm. promote that as a good thing and then suggest that, that somehow you need to do something to, you know, how are you going to acknowledge that, that, that minorities 
are mistreated. And when, you, when you're trying to promote democracy <laughs> as this somehow ideal system of governance. And, and see, here's the problem. What, the way democracy is supposed to work is that when an issue is put into some sort of public referendum, the minority will concede to the majority. And see, that doesn't exist in the United States. I mean, when somebody loses an, right. loses an election or, or, or if their side loses, they don't necessarily concede. I mean, they might give a concession speech, but it's not like they say, okay, well, this is, this is what we have to live with now. I mean, and, and the divisions right now in the United States between the right and the left, are, well, let me, between Democrats and Republicans, I mean, right and left is even a little bit, you know, sketchy at some point, but between Democrats and Republicans, and those who will use those parties to, you know, to, you know, to have a, attempt at having a voice, these these divisions are not going away. I mean, they didn't solve anything when they, uh, uh, the Civil War didn't solve a conflict. It, it, it just changed the conflict. I mean, and when we think mm. about, you know, the ending of slavery didn't end didn't end you know, racism and a, a black president didn't end racism. And in fact, if anything, it stoked it. Part of what you know, Trump getting into office is a direct response to the fact that, that Barack Obama was elected before him. And not like he was a champion for people yep. of color by any means. So, look, this, this is really coming down to, you know, to, to this, this idea where white supremacy, white privilege uh, becomes white fragility. And the response that we're seeing mm -hmm. out of people today has more to do with the, their sense of white fragility than anything. Yeah. I think about the lady in her piano scarf coming out, and she's like, "I just got maced," and they're like, "What? Why?" And she's like, "Cause it's a revolution." And you're like, and she's crying, and she's crying because her eyes are burning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just she said it with such like, and you know, I spent nearly eight months on the Standing Rock front lines, and I watched this lady and her fragility, and and. Honestly, her piano scarf was just the thing that really set me over the edge. I'll be honest, it's hideous. Well, and, 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 and to be clear, her, her answer was when they when they said, "Why did they miss you?" Because I went inside. She said, "What'd you go inside for?" And that's what she said because it's a revolution. She said she was taking over the you know they, they were taking over the capital because it's a revolution in her piano scarf. Yeah, <laughs> I, you can imagine her, sta her standing in the morning and she's like, "Okay, this is the day of the revolution, and this is the scarf." <laughs> like this is it. Well, just like know. just like the guy, you know, who again with the buffalo horns, he thought yeah. take, being stripped down near naked was the, was his best approach to, to to fight a revolution. To to not have any protection, he was gonna he was gonna take his shirt off and and just to show off his tattoos, and that was going to protect him. Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, you know, if you looked at the stuff that was on his Facebook before he deleted it, he is known as, like, the QAnon shaman. He thinks he's, you know, a descendant of Odin and some other things. So, I don't know. But, do, but again, do you really think he thinks that? Or do you think this, that he's found, found a niche to carve out for himself? I mean, that's where, where I always come back to this thing when I hear mm. people say, I mean, it's like when somebody says, oh, Native people believe this. Wait a minute! You're going to tell me what I believe because you, that's the way you've interpreted some, you know, a story. I'm not even sure if the Greeks Greek, uh, ever believed in Greek mythology. I think they created stories, but when we, when, anytime I hear somebody says, "Well, somebody believes," really, you're going to tell you're going to tell me what somebody else believes, even if he told me what he believes. I'm not sure I believe it. 
Yeah, I mean, you could look into the types of tattoos he has. Like, he's a legit neo-Nazi, this guy. Oh, I, well, I mean, or, or certainly that's you know. that's the role he's playing, right? I mean, getting back to, to what yeah. you were saying. I mean, that's what he's trying to pr- uh, promote himself as. But but you also see yeah. he, he's got pictures of him standing, you know, with, with native, you know, uh, artifacts and, and, you know, pieces behind him and that kind of stuff. I do want to concentrate a little bit more on how we need to be wary of those people who come amongst us claiming to be our allies. I do want to thank you for joining me. Uh, it, it, uh, it's great to catch up with you. Um, we'll, uh, we'll talk again. Uh, thanks for joining Let's Talk Native. Thank you, John. Always a pleasure. All right. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. This is John Gain. Yahweh.